Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome to Next Step Leadership Podcast. Chris Maxwell and Tracy Reynolds. Uh, Tracy, uh, talk to us about our guest today. Well, it's great to have Tim Elmore back on the Next Step Leadership Podcast. Uh, I love this statement. Building leaders through memorable, memorable images, powerful storytelling, and sound research. I read that about Tim online this morning. I thought, that's exactly him. Mm-hmm. Whenever he speaks, he's going to give us memorable images, amazing stories, and it's all going to be research-based. Uh, Tim has written a brand new book that i just dying to get into. It's called A New Kind of Diversity, and it's kind of the apex of a lot of the work that he's done in the past and research on generations, tying it together, teaching us how to make different generations on a team work together effectively. So Tim, welcome back to Next Step Leadership. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks, Chris. Good to be with you guys. Well, listen, let's dive in. Tell us about this new book and what it's all about and what was the inspiration to set you on this track? Yeah. Well, you know, any good book and maybe any book in general is usually the product of not only many people, but many years. So Tracy, you and I've known each other for gosh, over 20 years. And you know that I've been a student of the different generations as each have come through. Uh, When I started my career in 1979, it was the baby boomers who were still processing and jumping into their careers. Then it was the Gen Xers, you know, uh, and then it was the millennials and then it was Gen Z and now the alpha generation, the younger children today. So the book is really about uh, me trying to provide a reference guide for people that might have multi multiple generations at the workplace or the school or wherever it is you go, you are, and you're and you're thinking maybe we're just supposed to tolerate each other, and this book is mm. a, really a challenge. Don't just tolerate each other. Leverage the strengths of each generation. So it's an encyclopedia that's and, and a dictionary for the vocabulary of each generation, and hopefully we can work together and build bridges rather than walls between uh between. Gotcha. Yeah. I remember in iGen, one of your very first books on generations, you provided a chart that differentiated between the different generations, and there were several areas, and you've built onto that as each of the generations as well. That was probably almost 20 years ago itself. So uh, share some of those insights and what the differences are and and how we can know where we are and as well as appreciate the differences and the similarities between our generations. Yeah, sure. Well, for the first time in modern history, we are living at a time on planet Earth when there are seven distinct sociological generations that are living at the same time. Uh, Because people are living into their 90s, oftentimes, that would be the senior generation. And mamas are still having babies, that would be the alpha generation. There are seven. And Tracy and Chris, I've found that five of them are often still in the workplace. So the oldest to youngest would go like this. The builder generation, sometimes called the silent generation, would be well past retirement years. Maybe they're in their 80s, but if they're still healthy, they might still want to do lawn care or maintenance, or maybe they still own the company, but they're still there and they're, my gosh, they're seasoned veterans. And then you have the baby boomers. Um, 
we, I'm one of them, we are retiring on average at 10,000 a day. So we're right at retirement age. Um, but yet still the coach there, still the often the manager or the leader, uh, just at the tail end of our career. Then you have the Gen Xers. Um, they were first called baby busters. Uh, and the reason they were is because we went from a boom to a bust, right? The baby boomers were called boomers because <laughs> nine months after the war was over, the maternity <laughs> war showed up. And then with the introduction of the birth control pill or the contraceptive, birth rates went down, fertility rates went down. So the boomers were like 76.4 million and Gen, Gen Xers were much, much, much smaller by tens of millions. So the millennials come next. Um, they would be the kind of the 80s and 90s kids who are now into their careers, but young professionals mostly, nearing midlife, the oldest ones would be. And then Gen Z, Generation Z would be the ones that are most likely still in school, college, high school, middle school. And so as teens, they are really growing up in a 21st century environment that is nothing like we've ever seen before. So we're trying to help leaders, principals, teachers, youth workers just navigate the terrain of the older and the younger and uh, seeing if we could stop stereotyping and start Mm -hmm strategizing on how to make the best use of Gen Z team members or millennial team members or Gen X team members. So um, once again, that's, that's the layout of the land. And I believe gotcha. every generation brings something very unique to the table. Mm, that's so good. What, you know, as you're kind of giving us these instructions and advice, what from your perspective are key questions that leaders need to ask Uh, so that we can become better at closing that gap between generations. Yeah, that's really good. So there's a term that I find myself using when I'm asked that question, Chris. Um, I think it would be great to get older veterans and younger rookies together, meaning maybe 20-somethings and 50-somethings or 60-somethings, and have them swap stories. Okay, You can always find some common ground as you swap stories. But then each of you share your superpowers, I know that's kind of pithy, but mm. I think the young usually bring some smart technology superpower that I desperately need. That's right. But then I've got some some stuff I picked up over 40 years that maybe would help them miss some of the sand traps or the quicksand <laughs> that they might slip into right. if they didn't. So what if we got together and started sharing? That would be one exercise. But you know what, Chris? I'll tell you what came to my mind when you asked the question. When I hosted focus groups with each of the generations, I started asking the question, what did each one want from the others? So what would millennials want from Xers and boomers? What would Gen Zers want from millennials and Xers and vice versa? I found three qualities that every single generation wanted. And this maybe might be helpful to the listeners. Three qualities. Some are predictable, some are not. The first one is humility. Every single generation, old and young, said, could you approach me with humility, meaning I'm open to new ideas. I don't have all the answers. That makes sense, doesn't it? And just think what would happen to a workplace if the old were staying humble. They weren't cocky because they had all the answers as they talked to a 25-year-old. That would be awesome. So humility is number one. Number two is respect. So it's a cousin but not a twin to humility. Um. So Aretha Franklin taught us, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, tell me what you think. <laughs> Notice I didn't sing that, Tracy. I'll let you do the singing. <laughs> but um, respect is basically saying, 
I'm not going to make you earn this. I'm going to start with belief. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Begin with belief. Mm -hmm. So I might see a young whippersnapper that I think doesn't have any work ethic, is a lazy slacker. They don't know what they're, you know, blah, blah, blah. But instead, I'm going to say, I'm going to start with respect as if you've earned it for 20 years. And I get off to a better start. And then I think I earn it in return. People tend to reciprocate what you lead with. So respect is number two. The third one's a kind of a fun word. Every single generation wanted curiosity. Could you approach a conversation curious to know what I might say or what might be said or what we could gather from this conversation? So we're still learning. We're lifelong learners. Imagine what could happen if we approach every new generation, every different generation with humility, respect, and curiosity. I think we'd have something that's unique. It sounds like we begin with our attitudes. Yeah, uh, really. and, and good questions, but but it, it comes the not just the questions that I ask, but the the, the mindset behind that. Do I actually want to understand? Yeah. Uh, your perspective. Yeah. Well, you're exactly right, and I think, quite frankly, we get lazy socially if we hear one story about a Gen Z kid. We go, ah, they're fragile snowflakes. I knew it. You know that sort of thing. <laughs> Or all baby boomers are stubborn or all builder generation people are just dinosaurs. We stereotype so quickly. And in my mind, a stereotype is a mental shortcut that's not helpful. We take mental shortcuts. So you're right. If we start with the attitude of humility and respect and curiosity, now I'm in a posture where young or old, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to receive. Well, that just starts a volley that's really helpful but we've got to stop this nonsense of stereotyping and, and really allow them to be who they are. In fact, do you mind if I tell you a quick story? I was getting ready to say, Tim, I always loved, love it when you tell stories. <laughs> tell us a story. Uh, tell us a story of how this plays oh, out. Yeah. In the book, I actually tell the story right up front. Um, there was a young man named Tony who just graduated a couple of years ago from Ohio University. While he was there in his senior year, he took a part-time job. And unlike many college students, he actually liked his part-time job. He was working in a major brand retail paint store. But while he was there, he got so enamored with mixing paints and creating colors, he started a TikTok account, started posting his videos on TikTok, and he went viral. So once he got to 1.4 million followers, mm. 37 million views, he thought, oh my gosh, we could monetize this. We, he could use this for marketing. We'd have another million people you know, following this paint store. So he put a slide deck together to make a presentation to the management. Nobody was interested. He didn't get one pair of eyeballs to look at that slide deck, get, didn't get one set of ears willing to listen to him. But Tony did get something he didn't expect. He got fired. Yep, the executives fired him because, watch the stereotype now, they were sure he was doing this on company time. They were just sure he was probably stealing the paint. And they were just sure he was distracting to the customers. Now, Tony later sh showed them he wasn't doing any of those three, but before he had a chance, he was let go. So guess what happened? Tony moves south to Florida, has more than 2 million followers now, and started his own paint store. So... There's probably a lot to this story we don't understand, but one thing I think we can say for sure, sure. this this paint store missed a great opportunity to gain opportunity. Yeah. listen to them on social media. 
So I know that may sound exaggerated, but I feel like we're just not benefiting from each other, old and young, because we jump to this conclusion. We don't even let them finish their sentence sometimes before we draw our own you know, conclusion. And I, I just, this book is all about being a reference to keep us in the game and in the conversation so that we can see, you know, that 20 something, they had a great idea. So I'll stop there. Yeah, they did. Well, I'm, I'm reminded of so many times when we realize that the, the greatest ideas, I mean, as a 60 something, yeah. um, they don't come from my generation. Yeah. You know, Tim, not that we don't have decent ideas from time to time, but the, the cutting edge, unfettered, yeah. uh, often unchallenged ideas always come from mm. the whippersnappers, right? Uh, so I've got to get out of the way and help them uh, do that. And I think it does start with a mindset that says, yeah. I believe you have something to offer. Can I draw that out? I, yeah. Can I understand uh, not only where you're coming from, but get, what's your contribution to this? Yeah. Tracy, you just said it very well. Um, in the book, I, I, I quote a British psychologist who over 50 years ago, 1971, released some research on the brain. So this is way past brain research getting popular. But he says in his research, basically, that in the first 40 years of our life, we experience fluid intelligence and in the next 40 years of our life, God willing, we experience crystallized intelligence. And even though there's some fluid and some crystallized in all of our life, it's mostly fluid and then mostly crystallized. Tracy, you just said it best. Fluid intelligence is mostly about creating and adapting and innovating. That's really where the best ideas come from, usually. Yeah. When we move to crystallized intelligence post 40, it's more about summarizing and analyzing, and then communicate. You as a teacher at a college, you're getting more brilliant as you get older, not less. You're much more able to summarize a big idea than you were at 25 when it kind of had the idea. So what could happen if fluid and crystallized got together? We'd write the best symphonies. By the way, did you know Johann Sebastian Bach wrote his best music, you know, organ and symphonies, when he was in his 20s and maybe a little bit in his 30s? But something happened to him as he grew older. Now, get ready. Fasten your seatbelts. Along the way, as he's composing this great music and performing well, he fathers 20 children. And as he fathered the 20 children, he noticed that one or two of his kids were better than he was. One of his sons was better than he was. And he shifted where he got his fulfillment from doing the music to coaching and mentoring in the music. And Johann Sebastian died, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach died an extremely happy man, very fulfilled, very sad. In fact, I read he actually died teaching. That's how I want to go out, by the way. I want to die teaching, basically. <laughs> All over the world. You know? But the point is, he didn't try to reinvent himself at 25 or be forever 21 or whatever like that. He let himself right. move crystallized intelligence. And he wrote a little bit, but it was mostly about, I want to get my son ready. And his son actually enters in classical music, and I'll stop there. But it's, if we'll live our life well, we play the card we have in our hand in the first half and then the second half. And that's what I think makes life work well. I wonder what keeps us from doing that, though. Why do we get so stuck on 
you know, it's just, it's me, yeah. it's, it's, it's my method, it's my game, yep. and we're, it's just so much solo, but I love what you're talking about. Let's bring the different generations together, let's come to the table and learn from one another. Yeah. Well, I know you're asking that, Chris, kind of rhetorically, but I think men, I can speak for men more than women, I think men, if we start losing our edge, we're not the cool vibe, we're not the new inventor like we used to be, we just double down and just work harder. At the same thing, when really what we need to do is transfer and say, you know what, maybe maybe my best inventing has happened, but my best coaching is still yet to be. And I see some young, sharp leaders coming up through the ranks. Tracy, you're in the stage right now. So am I. Um, I've got Andrew and Cam and, and others in our office that I love pouring into. They're going to take over growing leaders. Uh, now, That's right. would I do it differently? Probably but I think they're going to do it better in the next 10 years than I would be as this old fogey, you know, that's going to retire one day. So um, I really think our problem is we just double down and do more of the same when what we really need to do is reinvent and say, I'm I'm going to be a different person now and be uh, that mentor that they need right now from me. You know, working with college students, I just, I just love that opportunity, but, but also now serving in a role again as pastoring, you know, after pastoring for 20 years and then accepting the job at Emmanuel, I did not plan on pastoring again, but now I'm pastoring this this small church, and I accepted it on one condition, <laughs> that the the title was interim pastor. Hmm. And then they kept talking to me, you know, let's be, you change that, you're going to be our, and then I realized we're all interims. You know, we are all interims, and if we could view it that way, and not talking about those that are always looking out the window for a better job, I'm talking about those who realize Okay, I'm here for a season, but part of my role is to prepare the people, the tribe, the business, the church for when I'm gone. Yeah, it's so true. That's it. That's it. Tell you what, let's pause this conversation. Uh, and I think it's a great place. And when we come back for our next podcast, let's pick up and talk about some tangible ways that we can learn to better appreciate and work together right out of a new kind of diversity. We're here with, with uh, Tim Elmore, and we're having a blast learning better how to work together, appreciate each other, and to maximize the potential of working together rather than uh, in a way of competing, completing rather than competing. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tim, and we'll join you next time as we look for ways to make our next step our best step. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe, and if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.